Hello, my name is Kendra. I'm Olivia. I'm Lindsay. And this is our music podcast. And today we have a special guest. His name is Dan. Hi. Um, tell us about what bands you're in. Um, I'm in a few bands around town. Fort Wayne is the town. <laughs> um, I'm in a band called Big Money, formerly Big Money in the Spare Change. You can just call it Big Money in the Spare Change. Uh, and then um, I'm in a band called The Meat Flowers. And I'm in a band called Best Sleep. And that's that. Good time. Yeah. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the conspiracy theory that Courtney Love had Kurt Cobain murdered. So take it away, Olivia. Okay, and we're not going to do our usual bio because, you know, we think by now everyone knows who Kurt Cobain is. If not, you can look him up. So, Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> Courtney. Oh, that's a great Hollywood couple name. It is. Like the Benefer. It's the Courtney. Yes. That's what sounds like some kind of fucked up, like, fish dish. Doesn't it? I think you're thinking of, like, ch- I think you're thinking of chutney. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, chutney I don't know why and curry. They, but yeah. fish yeah. just popped into my mind. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. So, <laughs> Kurt Cobain met Courtney Love in January of 1990. They had briefly talked at a show in Portland back in 1989, just a brief introduction. And she was still married to musician James Moreland. She had relationships with other musicians before that, Julian Cope in Liverpool, Roz Rezebeck, and Billy Corgan. Well, yeah. that's Billy Corgan. Oh, actually, that's kind of funny, because like, I was just re-watching some stuff from uh, the year that punk broke, like mm-hmm. that thing, and like Thurston Moore's like, running around going, Courtney's in love with Billy Corgan! Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, that's like before they were actually dating and stuff. Too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that like his commentary all through that movie is so funny. Thurston Moore's, cool yeah, like yeah. when he's asking the guy about being a skinhead or something, or he's like talking about some guy that just shaved his head and he's interviewing him, and he's like, uh, "How does it how does it feel now as opposed to when you were a hair?" <laughs> I just like the like, like you could be like, a skinhead or a hair. Yeah, those are the two <laughs> options. Like <laughs> Dave Grohl's just like running around like touching. Every All piece food. of food. That's my favorite scene. <laughs> it's so funny. There's like there's a little like kiwi. It is precious. I will share it. <laughs> I will share the beer. I will share the beer. Oh, I love your wine. I love your juice. Like so Dave Grohl's funny. He doesn't get credit for that. No, he doesn't. I need to watch that. You do. You'd love it. We forgot to mention our drink. Oh yeah, shit. Oh, usually I don't do that till. You can do it whenever. Yeah. No, it's okay. Like, yeah. Uh, we are drinking Dan's favorite cocktail, uh, painkiller. Classic painkillers. It's uh, I feel bad because I didn't have the rum that you're only supposed to use that kind of rum because I cannot find it. I didn't what kind even, is it? I didn't even know about that rule, so yeah. But um, like pussers or something. Pussers. <laughs> Not even kidding. The P S S E R S. So like, your poosers, like hmm. either way, it just sounds fucking hilarious. So, but we are not drinking that. We're drinking like old gays or something. Like I'm not even joking about that <laughs> either. Like, I was like another Caribbean rum. Like that's fine. Close enough. Yeah. It's not old gaze, gaze, but it's like gaze something. I don't know. Sorry, I'll shut the fuck up. (laughs) So there's a lot of debate over who turned who onto heroin. Some say that Courtney got uh, Kurt hooked on heroin just to control him. But he stated himself that he'd been using it before um, due to stomach problems. But he did stick up a lot for her in the press. I don't know if you guys noticed that. after she was pregnant with Francis, their child, um, journalist Lynn Hirschberg 
for um, Vanity Fair had pointed out that Courtney had been using heroin early in her pregnancy. She took, um, she and Kurt took a lot of drugs before his SNL performance, and she admitted to taking him for a few months after that during the interview. And then, you know, when they did the math, they figured out that, you know, she was a couple months pregnant at the time. Um, Wasn't she, like, they, like, dated for, like, four months before they got married. They weren't together very long, yeah. Or something like that. I don't know. I read something today. It was less than a year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And they were both high at their wedding. Um, They were high all the time. Yeah. (laughs) That part is true. Through leaked hospital records, it was released that she was taking methadone up until, you know, when when, um, Francis was born. Before so, HIPAA. Yeah. <laughs> so they were very angry about that that article. And then a writer, Victoria Clark, who was writing a book about Nirvana, planned to meet with Lynn Hirschberg about the article. And Kurt and Courtney both got really pissed off. She left her a bunch of threatening messages. And Kurt did as well, actually, threatening to kill her. I Courtney heard, was like, they have that uh, footage like where you mm-hmm. can hear that phone call. Yeah, on the in, Kurt and Courtney documentary. That, yeah. that was definitely her thing. And then she, he... Went along with it, yeah. He joined in for that one. Yeah, yeah, because they played both of the answering machine messages, and I was like, "Well, Kurt, calm down there." Yeah, right. Yeah, you can like hear her in the background on his. (laughs) Yeah, it's like she's probably like, "Do this." She probably wrote it out for him. Right. (laughs) So she, Courtney, wasn't popular with Kurt's friends and bandmates. She interfered with the 1993 studio sessions for Nevermind. Producer Steve. In utero, Al- sorry. Oh yeah, no. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> no. Yeah. that's how you're here, Dan. Yeah. I know. So, um, producer Steve Albini even threatened to quit more than once. In mid 1993, Kurt insisted at Courtney's request um, to renegotiate how the band's royalties should be divided up. I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about like, Steve Albini. Um, I have like one of his business cards because I went and toured the studio. And it's like metal. It's like the perfect like cocaine card. Like oh. I'm like, is that what this is for? Like it's huh. like a steel cut co- business card. There's That's a. Strange. Did you see the quote? The Steve Albini quote about that he gave to somebody about oh. her being like a psycho host beast. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a great it's line. Hilarious. Yeah. It's like I'm not worried about embarrassing Kurt by saying this because he already <laughs> knows <laughs> she's crazy. She yeah, Courtney's not popular with anyone. Yeah, really. that's true. Is uh, I don't hate her music important. though. I definitely like no. Hole is good. Yeah, yeah Hole is awesome. And when you listen to her in interviews, sometimes she comes across likable. Not always, but sometimes you're like, oh, I can kind it of. It is crazy. Really yeah. Definitely like, well, definitely like master manipulator. Yes. You know, even though I don't necessarily. Well, like that. You guys were just watching montage of heck yeah yeah and that movie's amazing until yeah. she comes on and you're like i don't believe a word that oh, you're saying I know. that and then once you know that she approved everything and had involvement yeah. you know it's like very skewed yeah as soon as i like like when i was sitting Still there good. watching it within a couple oh, that, minutes like there movie. were like there were like some really uh some really glam like tasteful nudes of her and i'm like yeah she's <laughs> yeah. definitely in charge of this <laughs> right like, <laughs> well it's cool because they just don't even talk about it yeah you know that's a great movie so up to that point, royalties were divided equally between the three of them, which infuriated Courtney. She, oh, so he wanted 100% of the royalties for lyrics and 75% of the royalties for the music. And he also let the band know that this was, um, you know, a retroactive decision. So all the sales for Nevermind, which might be in utero that you pointed out, um, yeah, would, like all know, future royalties. He yeah. Wanted yeah. To so. Be that way. 
Well, no, it was not future. It was retroactive. So it was, you know, when the album. No, they wouldn't have to like pay him back though. It was like from then on. And they were cool with, I think, because Dave and Chris were cool with him with like for the new album. They were like, fine, Mm -hmm. whatever. But not for the old stuff because we already had this, you know, planned out. I feel like that's like something that's mentioned on like all of these podcasts. Like I'm so bummed out when like bands do that so shit. So many bands, like, yeah. Equal. Like I get it. Like yeah. yeah, he wrote all the songs, but at the same well, time, that's... it's like it's like I don't know. When you're in bands with people, it's like having like a second family. Yeah. Like you don't you don't want to like fuck over your family. I don't yeah. know. Definitely a Courtney move. Bosh. Yeah, 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 because he was like I think everybody kind of knows that like he was he really always cared about, like, money. about money. Yeah, no. Yeah, and that's like a lot of what they would fight about, like when she like bought like a Lexus or something, and yeah. then she, like made her take it back, and like yeah. They ended up moving into seventy eight hundred square foot mansion near Lake Washington, next to the Starbucks chairman Howard Schultz, and across the lake from Bill Gates. Um, that's funny because I wrote down Lexus incident, but you know, oh, we just talked about whoops. that. Yeah. YOLO. <laughs> so this lifestyle wasn't for Kurt. Okay. So they were already fighting about that. And then it was said that they fought about his drug use, but then a lot of his friends say that that wasn't really true, that she didn't really care because she was actually doing drugs herself as well. Cause she kind of pretended for a long time that she was clean, especially after the baby was born because, you know, they didn't even have custody of her at first yeah. because of the drug use there's just no way to know about any of that stuff because she would like leak stuff to the press like just to leak stuff to the press Mm -hmm. and say like i was telling him i told him he can't do that if he wants to be with his daughter and stuff and really she's like doing it herself probably a bigger (laughs) junkie than he was yeah or like bringing the drugs on herself (laughs) well they they interviewed some of the drug dealers and they were like providing it to both Kurt and Corny, and then they would just yeah that was that yeah don't tell the other one yeah yeah like immediately following like Kurt's phone call yes. and Courtney would call <laughs> yeah, and like, hey. It's like on-call waiting. Yep. So in June of 93, Courtney called the police on Kurt after he allegedly shoved her during an argument. She had thrown juice in his face before he pushed her. And he was arrested, but the charges were later dropped. He juice was... Face. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he was really unhappy with her choice of nannies, um, specifically her ex-boyfriend, Michael DeWitt, called Callie. He liked him as a friend, but didn't like that he would watch their daughter while he was high on heroin. Fair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Courtney herself <laughs> it even admitted that she would take heroin while Francis was around, but then she would have one of the nannies take care of Francis. She'd been taken away from the couple after her birth in 1992 for a short time. One of Kurt's brief stays in rehab was actually, um, you know, done in order to get custody of Francis back. And then on March 18th of 94, she also called the police out to the house, claiming that he took a gun and locked himself in the bathroom. But once the police actually got there, he was hiding from her and he had no gun in the bathroom. That's sad. I know. But, you know, once we get into things a little bit more, it kind of makes more sense why she did that. Well, on a 38-date European tour starting in February of 94, Kurt got sick, finally being diagnosed with bronchitis. He had already wanted to cancel the tour. He was exhausted, and things were going terribly with Courtney. The Italian doctor that diagnosed him with bronchitis said that he should take two months off, so you know he canceled the, fl- the tour. He flew to Rome on March 3rd to meet up with Courtney and Francis. She was in London promoting the whole album that was coming out, and there was a lot of stuff about her possibly having an affair with Evan Dando around this time, but then they also said that it was just a publicity stunt. So, you know, maybe she did, maybe she didn't. 
I think her dad said something about that too. Yeah. Courtney Duff. I guess he found them in bed. He was talking to her during a visit because he went to, he wanted to meet the baby, but he didn't get to meet the baby. And he was talking to her. And I guess um, one of the conversations they had, like he was still laying in bed after they, you know, had been together. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So. Trifling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He had called his lawyer, Rosemary Carroll, to inform her of his intentions to divorce Courtney after a recent screaming match. And he planned to give her a letter explaining his intentions during this meetup in Rome. Early on March 4th, it said around 6 to 6.30, an ambulance was called to the Excelsior Hotel after Kurt OD'd on rohypnol and alcohol. Courtney wrote... Oh, no, Courtney woke. Um, rohypnol, like the... Ruby. The date rape drug. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Which was prescribed I'm sorry, to I'm her. Like, I'm thinking of all these like movies and like yeah, oh, um, I know. Like let's roofie ourselves. Like also kind of interesting. Um, well, that's not what they initially made it for. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> like, have you guys ever been roofied before? I guess that's <laughs> no. a terrible question. <laughs> Never have you? <laughs> yeah, but like it was funny because I was with mm-hmm. a bunch of oh. girlfriends and it was totally fine. Like it was an accident. Did like, you just pass out or it was no? An like somebody accident? like well, we were all sharing drinks. Mm-hmm. And somebody got roofied. And then so, like, we... In oh, turn, so you guys like, all just all got, got, like, a little, a little high. Yeah. And they were all like, well, let's just go to the Motley Crew Bridge and, like, hang out. And <laughs> like, thanks party. for the good time, dude. Yeah, I don't know. And then we all, like, passed out. It was fine. I mean, it wasn't... Passed like, out, it woke was, up, and yeah. had no memory of it. <laughs> Basically. But, like, like was it there was photos, though. But, like, there was, like, no dudes around. And then, like, everybody, yeah. like, made it home safe. And just, like, didn't want to drink for, like, a month. Because yeah. the hangover was so oh, bad. Oh, it was a really bad. Terrible. So Courtney had woke around or between three and four and found him unconscious on the floor with blood coming out of his nose. As I said before, she didn't call for an ambulance until, you know, six, six thirty. So she let him sit for a couple hours, which is really strange to me. I don't know if you guys think so. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, I could see strange. if she, you know, waited a half hour, tried to like revive him herself first or like or hide she, things. Well, she was like super fucked up, like, and maybe it took her a while to even notice yeah, that's true. what's going on. And she said she had talked, she was recorded um, speaking with the detective, which I will get into a little bit later. And that's when she said, you know, I woke between this time and found him on the floor. So she, you know, didn't offer that information to the, you know, anybody that showed up at the scene. Yeah. That's another one that people say that, um, well, some people think that she was trying to kill him then. Yeah. So I was going to say that also sounds so sense until for that. Like she waited until it was dead. obvious. Well, she waited until it was obvious that he wasn't dead and then was like, oh, I guess I should call them. Yeah, they, ambulance or something. they said when but the, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I know. You, you actually, just don't know. Yeah. She was photographed fully dressed with makeup on when um, the ambulance was there. So I don't know if they, you know, some people, maybe she got ready after. Oh, she probably, ready called, found the the she probably yeah. called the press too. Well, mm-hmm. the funny thing is she, a call was made to Geffen Records right after he was taken by ambulance to the hospital. And she called, well, it's, they said that it was Courtney Love and that he had died, that he OD'd and was dead. So he wasn't dead, but she didn't know that yet. And then she claimed that she didn't make the phone call, which maybe she didn't. Oh, because I read, I remember reading that too, that people put that press release out. Yeah. Like CNN and, or something. Did. You know, that was yeah. their favorite thing to do to release that those stories. That would make sense if Courtney called and said that. Yeah. Also oh. when it says like she was in like full makeup and stuff, like, mm-hmm. I mean. 
She if you think about, I was gonna say, if you think about Courtney Love makeup, it's kind of like you look <laughs> like you like powder your <laughs> face with a powdered donut, like smear some lipstick. Like I feel like it kind of always looked a little ripped up, yeah, slept like in anyway. So I don't know if that necessarily. And her hair was like kind of crazy usually. So th- yeah, I yeah. thought. Did so anybody else she was in a phase where you tried to kind of look like her? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I didn't. Sure. <laughs> Except I did wear like the dresses did you ever get with yeah. face? like no. Doc Martens. So uh, kind of close, Courtney I guess, Logan like the, the clothes. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll show you guys pictures sometime. It was like it was like 2001 though, so it wasn't quite. Oh, like, we woke her in the phase like around the same time. Okay. Yeah, because it wasn't quite long enough that it had, like come back around and people kind of thought it was cool again. They were just sort of like, like why are these girls like this? at this punk show wearing baby doll dresses and it's like not 1994 anymore? Yeah, yeah. like it's definitely like 2000. Did you buy those packs of like the baby barrettes that say like Jesus loves me and stuff? Yeah, I didn't have the Jesus loves me ones, thank God, but. <laughs> No, like it was I, supposed to be. It was supposed to be yeah, ironic. Yeah, I don't know. It's, we're in Fort Wayne. It's pretty. Yeah. Pretty oh well, there, maybe so. people just thought I was a childlike Jesus freak or something. I don't know. Tight. <laughs> just covers all your bases with everybody. Though. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And you're good. You can say it's ironic if you need to say it's ironic. It's true. So oddly, when he woke up, he wrote "fuck you" on a piece of paper and handed it to Courtney. Because he still had the tubes down his throat. That's legit. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then when they took him out, he asked for a strawberry milkshake. That's also legit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> dude, Kurt, Kurt was legit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Too legit to quit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I know, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you definitely quit. So after returning from Rome, Kurt decided not to participate in um, Lollapalooza. They wanted him to headline and offered him $9 million. I guess it, was, it wasn't exactly that amount, but it was, you know. A, it was a lot. Yes, a large amount. And then um, some of, there was something else in the deal where he was getting money from, like ticket sales or something. Mm-hmm. I probably so they were like the highest paid act on Lollapalooza, or they were yes. going to be. Yeah. So Courtney was really pissed about that. Because she wanted her band, um, Hole, to also play, and that was part of the deal that they would get to play if um, Nirvana played. That's so shitty. I know. It's like. Uh, Did I, you guys watch that Soaked in Bleach movie? Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't rewatch it, but really I've seen good. it before. I, I mostly watched just it again because the, there's a scene. I don't know how. <clears throat> I mean, I feel like most of the, It's so hard with that guy, that Tom Grant guy, because he seems kind of crazy yeah. now. Yeah. I don't. But not crazy and like the he was making it up the whole time like he's gone kind of crazy after doing it for 30 years yeah maybe but there's that scene where she's talking about that like on the phone and uh from that it seems like she didn't do Lollapalooza because Nirvana was gonna do it or she was like talking to him on the phone and like like didn't like just trying to just just trying to guilt trip him into being like i wish I could do that or something like that. Or yeah. like, we'll play it. We'll take your spot if you're not going to do it. But really, she just wanted her husband to make $10 million in yeah. two months. <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's the man. <laughs> so, Anyways. Yeah. So his label, Geffen, was still scared after his accidental overdose in Rome. And his manager, Danny Goldberg, who is the husband of his lawyer, Rosemary Carroll... Um, I, I might have just said this, but did I say that she was married to Jim Carroll? Um, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wait, um, who was? The Rosemary lawyer. Carroll, his lawyer, 
who is married now, well, you know, then at the, um, to yeah. his... My brain is, like, exploding. Manager. Yeah, like, she's oh, Jim Carrey, right? Oh, so. Basketball Diaries. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Jim Carrey Band. Yeah. All before. the people who died. Yeah. <laughs> They're all my friends, and they died. Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. weird. I'd never... Yeah. So they planned yeah. an intervention. Um, I don't know if I said her husband's name, but Danny Goldberg, and the label. So kind of a strange group of people that were attending this intervention. It was Courtney, the Cali guy who was the there. Guy. Yeah, the Manny. And <laughs> Pat Smear. Yeah, Pat Smear is probably the only, like, I don't actually know what he got into, but it was literally, like, people from Geffen and Courtney yeah. and a bunch of junkies. Yeah, and then the two nannies. Um, yeah. The woman, nanny, whose name they don't say in, like, anything that I looked at. Um, but they were both like drug users. So he brought up during the meeting that he thought it was, you know, pretty hypocritical of them because there were three junkies in the room um, trying to get him to go to rehab. Like, do you think that they were like just trying to like do? I mean, if they're all junkies, like, but he was like the cash cow. Yeah. So it's just like, is that why? Yeah, it's totally that. Yeah. Dad, I think that those people were just always there. So like, well, the yeah, it's so. kind of what happens with that type of yeah. Situation. So they just showed up. But funny that I don't know why his bandmates were there. Maybe she didn't invite them because, you know, she was. I don't really think those guys wanted any part of this stuff by this point. Probably. There was a story that I don't know if it's true, but it said that um, Chris Novoselic, um, he hotwired Kurt's car and tried to drive him to rehab, like force him to go. Yeah. But I couldn't find anything, you know, that verified that story. Well, yeah. They were probably terrified. Yeah. Because yeah. she would. If they did something to piss her off, she would, like, go out of her way to ruin their careers, I feel right. like. Hot so they were probably car. just trying to keep all this stuff separate and do it as long as they could, because it was obviously falling apart. Yeah. So she was really worried that he was going to get dropped by the label because he was refusing to go. So then she threatened to limit his time with Francis until he went to rehab. So on March 30th, he started his 28-day treatment program at Exodus in L.A., the two days that he was actually in the facility, he was evaluated. He attended indi an individual therapy session and was visited twice by Francis with nanny Jackie Ferry, which I don't know if she's the one that was, you know, at the um, intervention. But um, while smoking a cigarette outside, Kurt was told a story about a man jumping the wall to escape the voluntary facility by Gibby Haynes from Butthole Surfers. Which is funny. I, did you guys ever watch Train Spotting? Because mm -hmm. yeah, he does. A long Renton time. does the same thing. He like, jumps the wall to leave rehab. I never knew if that was why, uh, but it's just, well, yeah, it's like a, I, I don't remember when the book was written. Uh, I have like a question, but yeah, I well, I thought that was that was funny because that was in all the stories and stuff. But then the joke when they were talking was that you were they were allowed to. Leave. It was voluntary, yeah, yeah. so right. they could leave at any time. Just make a big dramatic exit. <laughs> yeah. Jump the fuck over this wall. So at 7.25 that evening, Kerr went out for another cigarette and jumped the wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh man, there's so many movies that are popping in my head. I'm ADD, so bad, but like all of the, um, like Shaun of the Dead oh, and yeah. uh, Hot Fuzz and... You just think of any time somebody's jumped over a fence? No, like, but they, they have, they're like, it's like in every single one of those movies, like all the end of the world series that they do. Yeah. Um, there's always like a scene where everybody's like jumping over something and then like the last guy always... And the fat like, guy just, falls. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's hilarious. It, like every time and it's like, and that's immediately what I'm thinking of, like jumping over the fence and like... Just, just think how different the story would be if he well, would have like he had fallen. To, 
Yeah, he probably had a very swift like had to stay in rehab. Jump because he only weighed like 120 pounds. It was probably also just like a little picket fence. True. It could have been. He probably just walked. Like I don't want to. I don't want to like a gate right by the chain link gate. He could sneak. I don't ever want to think about like how awkward it would be like if anybody were to watch me actually like attempt to go over a privacy fence and like how like just like sad it would just be very sad to watch that. I feel like I'd get to the top and then just like tumble over yeah because <laughs> I, I would be hurt so bad I don't know how but it would definitely happen probably just open the gate of like a white picket fence was like, yeah all right. just casually See sauntering ya. out yeah. yeah he jumped the fence but it says he jumped the fence how like, do you get out of yeah. there yeah <laughs> that's what's so funny about like trying to put this stuff together it's like those were all a bunch of fake news like inaccurate stories like 25 years ago yeah, yeah. and yeah pre like social media and the yeah. tabloids though like, like those tabloid magazines are like so ridiculous oh my gosh the, yeah there was a story when francis was born where they took like a deformed child and said that yeah, she dude. was born addicted to drugs and that's so the national Enquirer because i feel like they're the worst about yeah. that kind of stuff yeah i really just miss the weekly world news where it's like <laughs> anyway. weapons of mass destruction found it's raptors with laser beams and yeah yeah that's a good one i always liked that one <laughs> I always like that one tabloid. I think it's called Closer. I think they put it in nursing homes. Oh, no, it's, always it's definitely like, like they, we have that at my salon. Do you? And like OK and Us magazine. And, oh, yeah, yeah. No, Closer's great, though, because it's always like uh, so busy. It's just I too always much for the geriatric crowd. When I'm at your salon. It's like learn scandalous secrets of Lucille Ball's last days. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so Courtney contacts P.I. Tom Grant on April 3rd, 1994, which was Easter Sunday, to hire him to find Kurt. Grant and a colleague met Love at um, a five-star Beverly Hills hotel, which is also a private rehab facility, but it, um, it was really relaxed. Like, she, at some points, had her dealer there. She might not have actually bought drugs, but they were hanging out, at least. She definitely she bought, bought drugs. drugs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a rehab, but it's, like, chill. You can do drugs in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, she... <laughs> She explains to Grant that her husband escaped rehab and she believed that he was suicidal and had recently purchased a gun with the help of his friend Dylan Carlson. She had canceled his credit card and bank card and um, she had known by you know calling the company that he had booked a plane from L.A. to Seattle um, a half hour after leaving rehab. While still at the facility the same day earlier, a couple hours before, he had purchased two tickets, and they couldn't. She couldn't find out from the airline where, and you know, if there were any names attached. Um, but that was also strange. So there were three tickets purchased. One was actually used. So she mentioned that he may have flown to Atlanta to meet up with Michael Stipe, which funny we talked about in the you know, earlier yeah. podcast that yeah. he was trying to you know save Kurt because he thought that he you know, was kind of headed down a bad path. Also, somebody told me that there's a conspiracy that Michael Stipe killed him. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't believe that for a second. No. Too Not gentle. Even a little bit. Yeah, he <laughs> seems like a really sweet guy. Well, and then, like, the quote that we had talked about, like, on the R.E.M. episode was, like, that uh, Kurt Cobain always talked about how Michael Stipe handled fame like a saint. Yeah. Yeah. They loved each other. He was probably trying to save him because Courtney's... Crazy. Yeah, but he's but yeah. he's, he's really like, good friends with Courtney. Like he's, but he's like the godfather. godfather. Yeah, but they still hang out. They're still on each other's Instagrams. <coughs> We're going into the modern times the, here. Uh, how many godfathers does she have? Well, it started out Two. with. Oh, I don't know. Those she had Danny Goldberg and yeah, and Rosemary, um, Rosemary Carroll. Oh, okay. But then she, after probably finding out what Rosemary her part that she plays later on in the story, 
she asked Drew Barrymore to be yeah. the godmother and then oh, so they there's just two sets of godparents yeah okay Drew Barrymore Michael Stein across. those are I know. I think it's pretty So also, you know, we talked about in the Michael's type episode that he sent Kurt an airline ticket to fly out there. So um, that kind of yeah. contradicts like the three. Right. So then the three tickets. So, yeah. the, you know, I'm just a, something I thought of. But she asked. Um, like Tom, the same week he sent um, tickets? I don't know the date when he sent the airline ticket. Um, and I think it was a little bit more relaxed than where you could like buy a ticket to be used at a later time. An open-ended ticket. Yeah. Yep. Those pre nine 11 days. No. <laughs> the life. So she asked Tom Grant, which is funny. Cause do you guys know Tom Grant locally? He's a guitar teacher and he's in bands. He was my first guitar teacher. What? <laughs> nice. But yeah, fun, fun yeah. fact. But she asked him to hack the airline to find out you know, more information about those two tickets. Hack the airline. Hack the plan. Yeah, that's not going to get you very far. Just right. We're thinking of the 90s. I'm, I'm thinking of hackers. I'm a private detective. <laughs> he was kind of a square, too, where, yeah. you know, he didn't seem like the type of guy that would have that sort of knowledge. Sounds like they need to get zero cool. Yeah, so she then says that she's going to hire someone else to do that. Final go. Get a different hacker. Right. <laughs> this PI doesn't even hack. So <laughs> just thinking of the movie Hackers, like I know. Well, I just want I want Matthew Lillard to make a cameo in that, like in his like fucking crazy <laughs> braids. braids, and he's like, "Hack the planet." It's nineteen ninety four computers. Yeah, and like the laptops that were like the biggest, like yeah, chunkiest, dude. like smallest screens. And remember, their names were actually cool at the time. Their hacker names it was like Acid Burn and something. Yeah, another one. So but cool. I remember thinking that was cool. Yeah, zero cool. Like I, that was like my Twitter handle forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Courtney mentioned to Tom Grant that Kurt wanted to divorce her and mentioned a note that he had the note that he had given her in Rome saying that he was going to leave Courtney. And she also mentioned that she believed that he was having an affair with Seattle drug dealer, Caitlin Moore. She mentioned his relationship with his parents was pretty terrible and that he would never, you know, go to either of their houses after escaping. Um, she mentioned some hotels that he liked to hang out at, and um, she gave Grant his common aliases, which were Simon Ritchie, you know, um, what's his name, Sid Vicious, and Bill Bailey. Um, she also told Grant that she had an album coming out soon, and that she had planted a story in the news saying that she had OD'd to possibly draw Kurt out of hiding. That's... The kind of stuff that is yes. so funny. Yeah. But what did you say just before that? Um, talked about his aliases. And I had something to say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I mentioned that one. Oh no, this was vicious. this is like the day that he's like he asked her about their house in Washington. He's like, Do you want me to go there? And for these like two days, she's like, No. He's yeah. not gonna be up there. Oh yeah. No way. And then after mm -hmm. it's like on the fifth or the sixth. She's like, you should go up to the house, to the Washington house and like look for him. And he's like, why didn't she want me to do that? It gets weirder. Before. Because this a is like bit. the day that he died. And she's like, no, don't go. Don't yeah. go up there. So when, when you said that he, she uh, said that he was having an affair, mm -hmm. forgive me if you like have something in here, but um, did you ever, do you guys ever come across anything about the, the first bass player Ooh. in Hole before yeah. Melissa Oftmar, Kristen, she, um, I can't remember her last name, but she 
thought that he was having an affair with her and she actually died not that long after he did so and then there was kind the of like she a was kind double of murder conspiracy double yeah. there's like 10 other people <laughs> i know seriously um her mother didn't believe that she had od'd and then um right before because she was trying to move out of seattle at the time because she was leaving the band yeah and she was super into to drugs there and everything it was just kind of she yeah. was like in the process of kind of trying to start over Girl last name's Paf. Paf. Faf. I, I think the P that. is silent. Yeah. P-F-A-F-F. But um, right Faf. before she, yes. you know, um, the last person to visit her while she was in the tub was Eric Erlinson from mm-hmm. Hole, which is kind of weird. But yeah, she had asked a relative to go with her to move her stuff. And then like that date didn't work out for some reason. Yeah. And he couldn't go the other date then. Um, but she did have someone else with her, but he was waiting out in a truck while she was inside taking her bath and he slept out there and then in the morning she was dead yeah and she she died after kurt right yeah but not too much longer it was right within, it was pretty close yeah um it was like a, a month or two i want to say yeah but they had a friendship and um mm-hmm. i guess courtney freaked out because he gave her a book um and thought that they maybe had something going on but it seemed like she was extremely jealous of really any woman mm-hmm. that he was friends with i hate girls like that i know I hate dudes like that too. Like I just hate people like that. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I love people like that. <laughs> They're my favorite. Just really yeah. looking for that in a relationship. <laughs> you need to find someone that's like fucking obsessed with me and doesn't want me to have any friends. Like cut yeah. me off from everyone. Please. <laughs> so when Kurt left rehab, he flew back to LA and had his driver drop him off at his home at 1:30 a.m. early. Um, yeah, early April 2nd. So he spoke with Callie that same morning. He went in while he was sleeping in, in like one of their bedrooms, which was actually Callie's bedroom, and his girlfriend was in there too. Love told Spin Magazine... Okay, so Callie tells Kurt to call Courtney, um, and he says he's going to do it. So Love told Spin Magazine that she never got the call because the hotel that she was staying at, um, which was the rehab hotel, you know, made a mistake and didn't give her the call. He was picked up by a cab at 7 a.m. And then Callie said that he never saw him again. So Courtney spoke with Callie on eight separate occasions that day. And she never mentioned to Tom Grant that she knew that Kurt had been there. She acted like she had no idea where he went after rehab. So, you know, we don't know for sure that he definitely mentioned to her, but I don't know why he wouldn't have. Monday, April 4th, she mentions to Grant that she's still angry with Kurt for turning down Lollapalooza and mentioned that he messed up, you know, Hole's chances of playing as well. She mentions the dealer, Caitlin Moore, again, and asks Grant to bug her house, (laughs) which he says no to. Um, Can you imagine, like, all the crazy conversations they would hear? I want to hear those tapes so bad. Like, because he has, you know, hours and hours of tapes where he recorded these conversations with her and and different people. I'm also just thinking if, like, like, if you were to bug a dealer's house, like, can you imagine what you would hear? It might be be really quiet. Yeah, like, even regardless of this whole situation. I know. Like, like, I'm just saying, like, in general, it's like, yeah, yeah. No, man. Like, I don't know. I'm just thinking pineapple. The same Express phone now. call yeah. a million times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she then asked a friend to bug um, the dealer's home since Grant said he wouldn't do it. She <laughs> persistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says that she's not going to let Kurt pull her down and ruin her chances at fame. And then she tells him that she filed a police report pretending to be Kurt's mother saying that he was missing, armed, and suicidal. That's the most important piece of evidence in the whole thing. It really is. Weird fact, but the cop taking the report was actually a friend of Courtney's, too. 
Shocking. Which don't know the extent of the friendship, but it is mentioned that um, she does mention herself later on in the tapes that he was a good friend of hers, Detective Terry. So then, you know, he probably knew that it was actually her on the phone and not um, right. her mother-in-law. And I mean, who knows? Maybe he even advised her to say that. I feel like she might yeah, not be very good at seriously. disguising her voice. She I has know. that very uh, <laughs> distinctive, distinctive like, rap. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it kind of goes back to like her voice. Like I thought she would have made a perfect Nancy instead mm-hmm. of Nancy. And I yeah. remember her like being pissed off that she didn't get cast in yeah. that role. And she was just a friend. That's why she is the way that she is. I know, but she's also obsessed with Sid and Nancy. And that's why she would call, like, Kurt, like, that was his alias, was Sid Vicious's real name. So on Tuesday, April 5th, Grant calls around to a bunch of Seattle motels looking for Kurt under aliases and finds a Bill Bailey. So he tells Courtney and offers to follow up, but she says she wants to do it instead. Grant had subcontracted another PI named Ernie Barth to surveil um, Caitlin Moore's house. They wanted to go to the Seattle house, but Courtney said no. She said Callie was watching the house and funny thing, but at the time Courtney knew that Callie was no longer there. He had been staying with one of his girlfriends, which I thought was funny that they talk about like he, this guy had like lots of girlfriends, um, Jennifer Adamson. And when she was interviewed later, the girlfriend, she said that he was scared to stay at the house, but didn't say why he was scared. Courtney had made several calls to him at this girlfriend's house too, you know, proving that she knew that he was there. What's the what date is this supposed to be? This is Tuesday, April fifth. Okay. He's so scared to stay there because he knew that he was already dead, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wednesday, April sixth, Grant once again asked for permission to go to the Seattle house. And she actually gives him permission this time. She says that um, she would go, but she's working and she's way too busy to go herself. So at 11.30 p.m., he meets up with um, Kurt's friend Dylan Carlson to talk about, oh, they talk about Kurt's state of mind, and then, you know, he asks him some questions about the gun that they bought together on March 30th, which was also the day that he headed to rehab. Dylan claims that Kurt was under a lot of pressure and not suicidal, and that he bought the gun because they had had a recent break-in, and said that he was also pretty shaken up um, by the story of John Lennon being, you know, killed, and then also Mia Zapata a year earlier. What, um, yeah, is it? Oh, man. And that's the the girl from the gets, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we were talking about that in another one. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, I feel like we talk about so many of the same people. So I had, I think I had read that he already had a lot of guns. Is that? He did. They what? were taken yeah. away from him when she put that call in saying that he was in the bathroom with the gun. So they took guns okay. away from him. And oh, he, did okay. you say that already? I didn't. That no. makes sense. No, she didn't, didn't. say anything about him okay. confiscating yeah. I think, But I just I read something read about the cops being called and confiscating his guns earlier yeah. but I didn't realize that was why I just always thought it was kind of weird because he doesn't really seem like a that makes like a gun, the, guy, that gun makes, collector you know? right. but that makes the going to buying a, buying a gun like so much more normal yeah right. it makes yeah. it not weird right. at all he had even um, given an interview to Rolling Stone magazine talking about how he would shoot at um, targets and where he would shoot saying that he would shoot over this cliff because he didn't want to accidentally shoot a person. But it's yeah. funny because Courtney claimed that he, you know, never had any experience with guns and it was really weird that he was buying this gun. Okay. Is that thing open? <laughs> yeah, now it's not doing it. Like I was, I was spilling this shit everywhere. <laughs> yeah, when you're <laughs> when you're shaking it and again it, it spills. Like, I'm sorry, I have a picture of this stuff, but it's got like these. It's like, not coming out. It's almost like, it's almost like the it's like childproof it into like cottage cheese or something. <laughs> it's gnarly, so I just wanted to try to sift it so I didn't get any of that gnarliness. But you don't like cottage cheese? 
Um, I <laughs> not do, drinking but it. Not like in my drink because that's gross. Cottage cheese is the most vile food on okay. earth. No, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I do not concur. I love cottage cheese. Please fill up our DMs with your opinion on cottage cheese. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? This is like, instead of me having rage about something for once, now it's me being like, yeah, cottage cheese is awesome. They decided to stop by um, Caitlin Moore's house on the way and talk to Ernie Barth, who hadn't seen Kurt in the 48 hours he'd been watching the house. So at 2 a.m., they stopped by Kurt and Courtney's Lake Washington home. And they called Courtney to get the alarm code after nobody answered the door. They thoroughly searched the house, opening drawers, closets, and rifling through bedding and cabinets. Um, they looked for the gun, but they didn't find it. And all they did find under like the mattress was Courtney's um, Rohypnol prescription, mm-hmm. which you know, I want to remind everybody um, he OD'd on Rohypnol in Rome. So weird thing is, he's actually laying dead in the greenhouse at the garage at this point. Um, time of death is, is the night of April 5th or early morning of April 6th. But Grant is unaware that the greenhouse is there. It was storming heavily when they arrived at the structure. Or he, when they arrived and the structure couldn't be seen. So Dylan never mentions the greenhouse. So they leave after, you know, only finding the drugs. Um, well, the I say drugs, but like prescribed drug. Right. Um, so Thursday, April 7th, Grant picks up Dylan again and Mark Lanigan, singer of Screaming Trees, and the pair um, talk to Caitlin. He has them go in and they, you know, they buy drugs and um, use them. So they were, and he sent it, sent him in with a, the Dylan guy with a tape recorder. So 45 minutes later, he comes back and um, she hasn't seen Grant or see, hasn't seen Kurt. <laughs> Can't talk. Barth, the con, the subcontracted PI decided to check out the lake house at this point. I don't know why I said lake house, the Lake Washington house. Um, but he, Courtney finds out and freaks out and they call him off. She doesn't want him to go there yet. They drop Lanigan off, but Dylan and Grant continue to look at um, some of Kurt's like known hangouts. So also on that day, the seventh, Courtney was arrested and hospitalized. Um, Dylan told Grant, and it had something to do with drugs, but he didn't know, you know, much about it at this point. Eight, that was, she did that on purpose, right? Yeah, she did. Is that um, the one where that she had like the press release about, or this? Um, no, it's actually another one. Um, <laughs> Multiple and attempts. Get into it a little bit later, but um, then you know, when, if she's arrested and hospitalized on you know the day when she, it seems like you know maybe she wanted someone to know where she was. Um, it's kind of mm. suspicious. At eight thirty p.m., Courtney is called by Dylan and she asked them to return to the Lake Washington house. She's overheard by lawyer Rosemary Carroll asking Dylan to search the greenhouse. And she wants them um, to also look for the gun again. They walk in and find a note addressed to Kurt from the nanny, Manny, um, Callie. And it's, it's pretty much just saying that he's pissed at Kurt for being in the house while he was there and not telling Courtney where he was. Once again, it's raining heavily and Tom doesn't see the greenhouse and Dylan forgets to look. So they didn't find anything else in the house. At this point, you know, if she really was planning for them to find the body at this point, um, you know, really messed up her plans. Friday, April 18th. 8th. 8th. I don't know why I said 18th. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Well, heading back to the cabin um, owned by the couple, the pair had searched, you know, multiple times before. Um, Dylan makes a call at a phone booth and they don't know who he calls, but he tells Grant that a body was found at Kurt's house and they turn on the radio and find out that Kurt is dead. This is the first time that Grant is actually told about the greenhouse and they head to the home 
and he tries to make contact with Detective Cameron of the Seattle Homicide Unit, but is unable to meet with him. Also, this really pissed me off. I don't know if you guys heard this, but his mom was there when they get to the scene, and she her like she commented saying that he's joined the stupid club talking about the 27 27 club Club. yeah yeah which you think of all the things to say when your child was found dead you know that wouldn't be one of them i don't know yeah people process grief and things well she was a shitty person yeah i was gonna say she there's like a lot of like anger that comes with that though yeah yeah with suicides and with uh ods like Mm. being a death like it sucks because it's like that's not like, the reaction that anybody wants to hear. Right. right. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I've been really pissed when friends died. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, Grant stays in Seattle until Saturday, April 9th to interview more of Kurt's friends before heading back to L.A. Everyone that he talked to said that Kurt wasn't suicidal, but, you know, that that's not always known by friends. Yeah. You, know, you don't I always think, tell them everything that's going on. I think a lot of times with that kind of stuff, people, you know, want to just... Like they think all the signs and everything are really, really obvious. They're like, oh, they were pl- they made plans to go do this thing, so they would have wanted to stay alive for that. But I feel like a lot of times people just kind of keep doing their yeah. normal thing, and then you know. I agree with that. It's not like you plan it out months in advance or anything. Right. Like so he calls Detective Cameron and finds out that someone had repeatedly tried to use um, Kurt's canceled card even up till um, the morning of April 8th when he when his body was found. So, I mean, obviously it wasn't Kurt. I wonder um, what they tried to get with it. I know. <laughs> they didn't have that information. They just had that it was denied several times. And then they also, this like was the, the weird stop. thing. <laughs> the weird thing was um, a couple times it said that the card wasn't present, but I guess sometimes on machines around that time when it was denied, it would say card wasn't present. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just, you know, a fluke. I don't it was really like know. they try and it gets declined they put the number in and then it says that. Yes. Yeah. That was what I read. So, but that um, was like the card that she canceled and that's why it didn't work. Yeah. So they just had a record of somebody trying to use yeah. it. So yes. it wasn't going to... Yeah. So it didn't actually, you know, get to buy anything. His death, death was quickly ruled a suicide and wasn't further investigated. His body was quickly cremated within days of, you know, his body being found. Um, weird story, but Courtney cut a lock of his hair and a lock of his pubic hair at the viewing, um, you know, shortly before. Didn't she also stuff a teddy bear with his ashes? I didn't come across that, but I wouldn't be surprised before. Yeah. Horrible. I get the lock of hair thing, (laughs) but I can't wrap wrap my mind around the pubes. That, and you know, is in front of people. She was like, what kind of, what kind of sorcery is going with that? Like I I can, like. Wait, what? Well, how'd she get the pubes? She like unzipped viewing. his pants and cut a lock at the, the yeah 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 at the viewing. It was like I don't know if it, they said it was a private viewing, so sometimes they would let families I see the body before cremated. other people did. He, there was still a viewing because um, surprisingly, yeah, there wasn't a ton of damage to his face. Um, yeah, there wasn't to his mouth. But usually with gunshot wounds to the head, like was he shot in the head? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, like. I had a friend that was shot in the head and they still had an open casket. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. very surprising. Yeah. I guess it was a small... Um, it was a bird shot or whatever. Yeah, it was a small gun and he bought a special one so if you know he was shooting at a burglar, he shot a wall or missed you know something, it wouldn't go through the wall and possibly injure someone else. I so thought it was a shotgun. It was a shotgun. Oh. So like, a, like the little pebbles, or the BBs that all shoot out at once. Oh, like I thought you were saying shot. the gun was small. I no, was it was like, a big old shotgun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> So, um, two separate memorials were held, one at Courtney's and then another at Chris Novoselic's home with his wife, Shelly, 
And that was, you know, because they weren't really getting along at that point. They probably weren't invited to the other one. Yeah. <laughs> On Wednesday, April um, 13th, Tom meets with Rosemary Carroll. And she's very confused and distraught over Kurt's death. And she talks about how the couple, you know, both wanted the divorce and it had become a very hateful relationship. She tells Grant that Kurt had had an alternate will drafted removing Courtney and he wasn't able to sign due to his overdose in Rome. So, and then, you know, afterwards he went to rehab shortly after, so she just hadn't got with him to sign the paper, but, you know, she would have been removed to inherit. They had a prenuptial agreement and that if they divorced, they would get their own stuff. They wouldn't, um, any of the stuff that they shared, they, um, depending on whose name it was in, Mm -hmm. yeah, they would keep that. So that was something I thought, you know, maybe important to know. That's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Well, this lady is like so central. Yeah. To the whole thing. Because now is. she won't talk. And now they're putting out all this yeah. press about, like, they've, like, uh, sent that Tom Grant guy a bunch of, like, cease and desist letters. They did. And saying that he's taking all these things out of context. But you, when you listen to him, it's like, how yeah, the hell like, could no, this be taken out of context? I kind of loved, like, in that Kurt and Courtney documentary, too. Mm-hmm. Like, like, with all the things that she tried to do to suppress the media. I know. But then also, like, how she was feeding it mm-hmm. and yeah. whatever. And, like, that guy gets up on the stage when she's, like, giving out the oh, speech. Oh, that was awesome. For, like, the award of, like... Oh, at the, the end of like, AC, Or not the, the, AC, the, AC, the ACLU. The ACLU. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, so <laughs> hilarious. So hilarious. That guy's a badass. That guy, yeah. like, he, like, gave no fucks. He Nick, just goes uh, on stage. Nick like, film. So, yeah, like, but see. you did this... So why are you giving the speech? Yeah, she's like, she's totally right. like is this is this the you know, right type journalist. of person you and want then, to like, be her, doing like, this? And then like her like her dude for, like that she was like buds with that is why she got to do that speech yeah. or whatever. It was like get off mm-hmm. my stage. Well, like, like, she was, like, she was in her like glam. She's like threatened. Phase. She's threatened yeah, to kill funny. journalists and stuff. Yeah. And then like years later, she's like, oh yeah, they were totally right. Like I just didn't want them to say that. Yeah, and she'd be like, I was if. If they were lying, I would have sued them, but I didn't sue them because they weren't lying and I would yeah. have lost. <laughs> I'm ridiculous. Just a psycho hose beast. <laughs> I love that they use that line in uh, Wayne's World too. He probably got it from that because it was after probably. Wayne's World came yes, out. Yeah. But it's just such psycho a great. I just love that it's like a thing that's in yeah, quotes about about Courtney Love's yeah. psycho hose beast. It's so funny. So Rosemary was never shown a copy of the note, the suicide note that was found with Kurt's body, and she mentions that to um, to Grant. And he was actually able to get a copy to show Rosemary by tricking Courtney. He pretended when she showed him a copy that he couldn't read it. So then she he made a copy on her fax machine to read later, which I'm really surprised that she let him take. I was going to say somebody tricked Courtney. That's why, this, <laughs> that's why this whole thing. That's why I believe that this conspiracy is true, because yeah. literally it's like because people like try to debunk it now and be like Courtney wasn't some big mastermind like she was a junkie and all this stuff and it's like yeah that's the whole point that's like why all this stuff right. like if she was a mastermind nobody would be talking about this stuff she right? had done, because she, had she left all these she things like hanging around yeah had done other things, to, about things yeah so after Rosemary sees the copy of the note she contacts Grant and she's pretty upset wants him to come back out and she had um, some stuff of Courtney's that was left items that were left at her house while Kurt was still missing. And if you remember, Rosemary heard her talking to his friend Dylan and says, you know, search the greenhouse. So that's, you know, this time. Um, She went through the items in, you know, the bag that Courtney had left and she had found her to-do list writing, get get arrested. So that was, you know, when she got arrested on. (laughs) The shit is crazy. Goals. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I want to do this weekend? (laughs) 
She should have like a get arrested. She should have like a mood board or something. <laughs> with all the goals. But then the hashtag squad goals. <laughs> I'm sorry. The vision board. Um, so yeah, she's vision got a, board. Why did yeah. you say mood board? I'm thinking that? like a Pinterest board. Be like, <laughs> there's a picture of the handcuffs. Right. <laughs> But this, this, they could have found that at quarters. Her, vis, her vision board about how she was going to murder her husband, and nobody, everybody would be like, "Ah, oh, he committed suicide." Is yeah. this about a new song? <laughs> no, guys, like, that's this is song lyric. Don't worry about fine. that. This is just a collage for the inner sleeve of an album. It's fine. This is not my vision the one with board all about the how I'm going to kill it's my like, husband. Yeah. This is, and get this money. This is for a concept album, exactly. That I'm going to have my boy. This is like if I if I had so true though. So another piece of evidence was found, very incriminating, and it was a letter that had traced groups of word or groups of letters, and then it had someone practicing how to write these letters. It almost seemed like you know possibly someone who had written on or you know even written the whole suicide note had practiced beforehand. On like that Anastasia paper. lady, like the one that was like, yeah, yeah, like some like stupid like pen mark, and like it was copied throughout all the letters. Yeah, Sorry. it seriously was like that though. It was yeah. like all the letters, like ten it times. Was. It's really crazy when that's you see the thing. It. That's what drives me crazy is because I can see people saying like, oh, those people are like they're really bending this like. They're really reaching here, but like yeah. if you're, we're supposed to assume that Rosemary Carroll actually found that in Courtney Love's like bag, right? And it was Kurt's handwriting, somebody practicing letters like from his handwritten notes, yeah. and then there's this like fishy suicide note at like, come on, so get real. This is it, right? Like, is it this part that's written bigger that's supposed to be the part that was? She a lot of the note. Um, there's so many different theories about the note. That's actually all right. Yes, yes. too. Um, but one other thing that's kind of important, um, she gives him an itemized bill from Courtney's stay at the Peninsula Hotel. Okay, I can I couldn't read my writing before. <laughs> um, which shows proof that he had called Courtney less than an hour before leaving rehab. Carol believed that the suicide note was completely fake. She said that they had copied different writings of Kurt's, um, you know, from journals and different things, and then added the beginning and the end which, you know, we'll get into in a minute. Grant had a different theory, and he believed that the note was a retirement letter addressed to Kurt's fans, and that just the beginning, you know, who the letter was addressed to, and then the ending was written by another person. Because when you do look at the note, the writing is very different in parts, um, yeah. you know, specifically at the end and the beginning. I will say, though, that when you're writing on paper that isn't lined, sometimes, you know, you do tend to write... Um, strange or you know there's different size letters but oh, yeah no, that it's noticeably different on this so his body was found and so okay his body was found and then the morning after courtney had given an interview to tabitha soren over the phone and then later interview to kurt loader where she claimed that the note said it's not fun for me anymore and i can't live life like this which actually wasn't in the note at all she also, during that interview, plugged her new album that came out the Tuesday after he was dead. The label rushed to have it come out. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's so sensitive. There was, another, yeah. there was another thing I read. I can't remember what it's from, but it was like uh, Courtney said she didn't make any phone calls or something on like these days. And it, they looked at her phone records and she had, but it was like 10 phone calls to the radio station to play right. the new whole single. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> 
like on the day that she finds yeah. out that he's dead, yeah. she's like, it was like around this time. Yeah. It was oh my in this god. Week. And yeah. she's just like, play yeah. my song. A psycho, play my dude. Song. And then this like, oh my chick God. is a socio. Yeah. And the very yeah. last song on Live Through This, it was called Olympia. Mm-hmm. And it like, they ended up changing it to a different song at the, uh, you know, after he, he died and everything. Because I guess she mentions his name in the song. Oh. She's like, oh, let's take that out and put something else in. So I thought that was kind of weird too. You would almost kind of think that she would want to keep it in there. You almost right. think she would have known. She this also told. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she also told Kurt Loder that his body was so severely damaged by the gunshot that he had to be identified by fingerprints, which wasn't true. Yeah, if they're able to have an open casket, that's a bald faced yeah. lie. Yeah. 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 I never knew that until just now. Like I thought he was just like cremated really quick, and that's it. Yeah. I didn't know there was any type of like viewing. Well, he's, yeah. he was cremated really quick, but this was right. Like, yeah. It was yeah. like six days afterwards. Wasn't right. like the crime scene really compromised too? Yes. Like people were like tracking through all that. I'm I feel sorry. Like that yeah. happens no, 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 you're a fine. lot. <laughs> I don't know if anyone was supposed to see this. If this was just supposed to be something she that the cops had, um, because if she was going to make a fake suicide note, or if he was going to write a real suicide note, none of this makes any sense. Yeah. The whole body is like. I don't know. He's if guys, literally just like, man, I don't want to play music anymore. Yeah, I was gonna say, really I will, I will like, agree that, is, that it does sound like a. Like, it sounds uh, like I just him don't keep, his fans I don't that keep he wasn't gonna, I'm gonna do be part of Nirvana. Else. It's more like a yeah. diary entry than a suicide yeah. note. Yeah. It's just like the last four lines at the end, where you know, in different writing, where it talks about, um, please keep going, Courtney, for Francis. Her life will be so much happier without me. I love you. I love you. And then it was addressed in different writing to his imaginary childhood friend um bada oh yeah i remember that from the documentary yeah he's, when his aunt is like playing the tape and then talking about bada yeah there's also an interview that she gave and it was during there was like a vigil held for him i don't know if you guys saw this but i've heard the recording from that yeah, before it's so yeah. shitty because she's calling him an asshole repeatedly which i guess you would be upset but you think that not really the right time to say such things about somebody that just died does courtney love ever do anything at the right yeah, time that's though? true <laughs> yeah she's like always been kind of a wild card yeah like she's a, she punched sure. my hero in the face and i'm still mad about it who? Yeah, Kathleen Hanna. Oh, yeah. I think she had said. I think Kathleen Hanna had said something about about uh, her having like a heroin addicted baby or something, and so that's why they she said that that was her. fake. That um, yeah, no, she, Kathleen Hanna like talked about it in the documentary, The Punk Singer, and she's like, yeah, yeah I was like, was like hoping like I was friends with Kurt, I was hoping we could be like allies, like we're both women in music, and she's yeah. like, and then she just like assaulted me, so <laughs> she oh. pressed charges and shit. She like stabbed yeah. a girl yeah. when she was in. Um, she was at this boarding school when she was younger and it was just because she didn't like the way she looked. There's like a bunch of stories that I'll get to recently. Some are like actually hilarious. Oh, there's um, some really, really batshit crazy stuff. Yeah, which is, yeah, where she like attacked people and did crazy things. Mm-hmm. Um, Courtney was now telling everyone that the OD in Rome was actually a failed suicide attempt and claimed that, you know, there were the note there um, was actually a suicide note and not him telling her that he was going to break up with her. But she never let anybody see this note. So this was contradicted by the doctors that had treated Kurt. They, you know, talked to him afterwards and said that it was an accidental overdose and they didn't think that he was suicidal. She claimed they took 40 to 60 pills of rohypnol and the doctors that treated him said that that was not the case at all, that he, you know, just had a few in his system. And the empty pill sheets were never found at the scene. So very strange also. Yeah. Police were called to... Their house, the greenhouse on, you know, 8.56 in the morning of April 8th. And this was after a rush order was put in 
to um, for this electrician to go out and put a security light in at the house. And this was after, I, I know this is so much information, but after Tom Grant and Dylan failed to find his body. Right. So, because they'd gone out there and they been advised to look at the house and they didn't. So then, you know, she kind of needed someone else to go and look at the house. Or, you know, maybe this was... So then, like, so they didn't find the body. So then she's like, yeah, oh, I need I a security light. I don't know if she wanted them yeah. to find the body, but... Because they were doing, like, the whole thing anyways, I think. But she was like, hey, go, like, check on the... I Look at think that house. it was like specifically she was like tell the Trying guy to, to the go body. to the greenhouse yeah. and like hook the stuff up. I think so too. Shitty thing. Like the guy who discovered Kurt, he saw him through a window and he called <clears throat> his, you know, his manager and told him what happened. So the guy before he calls the police calls the fucking radio station and tells them like, oh, I got big news I for you. Really funny too. And he tried to get, um, was it Pink Floyd yeah, tickets out of them? What the fuck? Yeah. Wow. What like the owner, he called like the owner of the company, and he was like, "I got some news. You're gonna owe me some good Pink Floyd tickets yeah. for this one." Whoa, that's insane! And then he called the cops. Yeah, what an asshole! Yeah, total piece of shit. I hope that guy got fired. <laughs> I hope so too, but he probably didn't. I hope he enjoyed Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah, and he was like bragging about it on the news, which is weird. That is, uh, like, he was like very proud of himself for doing that. That's like the shittiest thing to like get your five seconds of fame for. Right. It's like I found this guy dead and like oh but look at me look at me. Like that's no, some look at me I'm front row Pink Floyd. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> okay so firefighters on the scene broke a window to gain access to um, the greenhouse since the door was locked. When they got there a Seattle PD officer on the scene removed Kurt's license from his wallet and placed it on top of on top of the wallet. And that's important because the police said in the report that he had taken um, the the license and put it out there so people would know recognize him, you know, since he shot himself in the face. But it wasn't true. It oh. Tampered. Yeah. Tampered yeah, and it didn't seem like. Yeah, and before you know, they realized that he was dead pretty quickly, and you know, they touched the body when they shouldn't have. They should have waited for the coroner to get there. The victim, this is, you know, directly from this book called Love and Death by Max Wallace and Ian Halperin. When, you know, they... <laughs> Shit, my God, jeez, out of there. It sounds like you're peeing. <laughs> <laughs> Just pouring another painkiller, nothing to worry about here. So did they determine that the door had been, like, locked from the inside and then there was, like, a stool pushed up against it? No, well, that's... That wasn't thing true. That... Um, it, it was like a bathroom locked door, so you could just push it and close it. Okay. And then they said the thing about the door, okay. the stool, but really that was the doors on the other side that went to like a little porch oh, thing. Okay. I didn't mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah, so it didn't matter. It wasn't blocking anybody or anything. Okay. So they had acted like he had barricaded himself in the room. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I had always thought. Okay. The victim was wearing jeans, black running shoes, and an unbuttoned long sleeve shirt. To the right of the body was Tom Moore's cigar box containing syringes, cotton, a spoon, and other items of narcotics paraphernalia. On the floor, there was a hat, two towels, $100 or $120 in cash was in his wallet, a pack of cigarettes, a lighter, and a pair of sunglasses. To the left of the body lay a brown corduroy jacket and a beige shotgun case, on top of which was one spent shotgun shell which, you know, is important later on. A box of 22 unused shells was found inside a paper bag by his left foot, and inches from his head was a large drying puddle of blood. Opened um, can of Barks root beer, 
was, which was three quarters full, was found and a paper placemat from IHOP with red writing with a pen stabbed through. And that was, you know, the suicide note. And it was, you know, written to his imaginary friend, but also to Courtney and Francis explaining why he'd killed himself. Inside the pocket of his corduroy jacket was a receipt for, um, for the purchase of the, the Remington 20 gauge shotgun. And it was made out to Dylan Carlson and dated on March 30th, 1994, the day that he left Seattle for Los Angeles for rehab. It says, you know, it, it mentions in this book, last thing I'll mention, um, that the crime scene wasn't secured and that, you know, many people traips through so they don't know, you know, if there was anything else that was important that wasn't, you know, noted. They did take photos, but the photos weren't fully developed. Um, it took a long time for him to even develop any of them. And then, um, you know, the Seattle PD didn't release the rest. Yeah, they, they released more photos just a few years ago. Yeah, they yeah. should have released everything at that point. But I guess Courtney and Francis, um, you know, were you know, pretty big on having those not released, which I, you know, you under, you understand to an extent because it's obviously, you know, photos of his dead body, but, right. um, right. it could be important. Well, I think if they didn't have the kid, then this would be totally different. Cause that's, I, I think why Rosemary is like that now. And a lot of people don't want to say anything at this point and want to just dispel all the stuff Yeah, because sure. it's fair enough to not put her through that yeah. Like yeah. now. Right. He also did have puncture wounds on the insides of each elbow. And there was, in his pockets, he had $63 in cash. Looks like a receipt from Lake City, his bank, and Seattle Guns. Um, to Lake City Bank. There's an address book. <laughs> in, oh, and the plane ticket. It's funny, there was like so much stuff to explain yeah. the crime yeah, scene, in like pockets. included. I was going to say, like, I feel like that's like looking through somebody's purse, but like the, I'm impressed by how much he fit into his pockets. Right, like he all around. A lot of, he wore like a lot on of this layers. pocket, there's a shotgun receipt. Yeah. In this like, pocket. Cargo, was he wearing cargo pants? Like, <laughs> right. There's a lot. Was there a hidden fanny pack? I don't know. I feel like he always wore like four oh, pairs Kurt Cobain wearing cargo pants just gives me nightmares. <laughs> and a fanny pack. <laughs> yeah. Fanny pack, I can see. I think he. I, I think don't know. Be, I think he'd be down with fanny packs. Yeah, I don't I know. I think the visual image is like fanny pack on. I'm gonna have to look for that. That sounds funny. Yeah, it's like he didn't live <laughs> long enough to see the horror of cargo shorts. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, this is '94, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so pretty quickly. <laughs> Sorry, was that like inappropriate? No, I don't. Like, I don't think so. Like, because I'm, I'm over here giggling, like just thinking about Kirk Cobain and shorts and a fanny pack. Uh, good times. <laughs> so pretty quickly, they ruled um, it a suicide. It was even on like the initial paperwork. They never said you know homicide or you know undetermined. He had 1.52 milligrams per liter of heroin in his system, and. Um, you know, a big question was, could he have pulled the trigger um, with all that heroin in his body? There's so much debate on that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, like different experts weighing in, you know, yeah, yes, he couldn't have. Doctors no, and, and and somebody that's that's got, you know, a really high tolerance for yeah. it. That's anyway. what they like, say, never... though. But, like, if we're supposed to take these documentaries, nobody got sued for these documentaries. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. So it's not the same as like the making a murderer thing being like, hey, they're presenting this evidence in a skewed way. It's like right. if they were straight up lying about this stuff, then Courtney Love would have sued their asses off. Right. But because in the Soaked in Bleach documentary, 
uh, 1.52 is like if you had never done heroin before, 1.52 is is 70 times the lethal dose. Oh, 70 dose. times. Okay. It's three times the for lethal him, dose for anyone that had ever died from heroin. Yeah. Like all these, that book is from like 1998 or something. So I don't know what studies have come out since then. Right. But there's like no cases of people even doing that much heroin when they died. He weighed one like people that, at the time, too. Like which is junkies insane. that overdosed from heroin yeah. did half of that much heroin and died. Yeah. That's why it's fishy. Because everybody took right. the three times thing. The three times thing is like 0.5 is like for a junkie. So okay. it's three times yeah. that. It's not three it's times crazy. like somebody that's okay. never somebody done that heroin. Uses it like every day. Yeah. 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 Okay. So and it's three you times. You guys a- are convincing. <laughs> There was, you know, the Kurt and Courtney documentary where they mentioned that there was a study done um, and a man was like balancing on one foot after taking yeah, heroin, yeah. but it was actually methadone that he was taking, which is quite different because it had to go through a system because, you know, he took oh. it um, orally and it wasn't shot directly into his bloodstream. So they said that it wouldn't have kicked in for about 45 minutes. How would you even why? like, why would you even do that? Like to compare? I think this guy was so studying, different. like the doctor was like, just, you know, studying. It was a 90s man. Yeah. They didn't have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. These guys just all wanted to look like the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, now all you have to do is Google. <laughs> so with, you know, the instant shot of heroin, they, you know, say like, could he have shot himself? Would he have been able to, um, roll down his sleeve and then, which was done. Cause it, I mean, the needle was taken out, his sleeve is rolled down and then he supposedly shot himself. So they don't think that there would actually have been enough time for him to do that before, like passing out from the drugs. Who puts their drugs away when they're about to shoot themselves in the face? Right. Yeah. Very, there's shot so many out. strange things. And if you think about it, cause they, they're comparing it to like when you get knocked out at the dentist or for surgery, you know, you can barely count you know, to five in that yeah, situation. I don't know right. if you guys have ever had that. Like you, you yep. literally, like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Love watching the videos <laughs> on YouTube. It's like a that. really good, like yeah. drunk feeling. And then <laughs> when I got my wisdom teeth out, I was like having, I a would get my wisdom attack. teeth taken out again. <laughs> if I could. Yeah. I was like, that having was so much fun. <laughs> I was having a the whole next day hanging out with my mom was like the funnest time I've ever had. <laughs> I just <laughs> pudding, yeah. pop some Vicodin. I just took like two giant bags of peas <laughs> and a towel and like wrapped it around my head and sat back and watched um, Chronicles of Narnia <laughs> and um, Lemony Snickets. That yeah. sounds like a great day. It was other than like, cause it, uh, I it's also, not great. it does kind of hurt. Yeah. I didn't take any like the pain meds. Uh, for some reason, um, so uh, like everything did still hurt. It was just kind of. I'm just talking about like wrapping a towel around your head and watching Chronicles of Narnia. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, here for like it. frozen peas. I'm into it. The peas were great though because they like form around your. Besides face. ripping the teeth out of your skull. Right. I just had like a. I had a Sounds massive great. panic attack like right before like when they gave me the, uh, the, uh, what you call it? I was scared too. Yeah, they. Uh, I'm so nervous about getting my wisdom teeth out that I've literally put it off for ten years. No, it's awesome. I don't are you supposed don't to? hesitate. Oh yeah, Me they're too? like oh it's terrible. Yeah, mine were impacted because they it, waited dude. too long and then like they like, dig them out, which is awful. But yeah, I, I got like dry sockets under. too, which really sucked. Oh yeah, I did have that, but yeah, oh, they told me to count so backwards bad. from a hundred, and I was having this massive panic attack. I was like, well, what if I don't wake up? No, I was like ninety nine. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can do it. I think you can do it without getting put under. Yeah, you can. Because that was like an option when I was there. Oh, it might have to be like a surgery. I was like, it was sort of like a last minute decision. I was like, I think I want to get put under. They didn't ask me, but I, I did. Have, mine were impacted. Like I said, so that's, maybe that's uh-huh. why. no. That's yeah. Mine are so, mine are like completely grown in, but like sideways. It was weird though because um, then I like there. woke up oh, no, I walking to. down the hallway with like blood 
like all over my shirt. But I didn't remember like waking metal. up or like that. It's funny too. They like My sister made me go into the grocery store with her. She drove me home and she's like, okay, let's get some ice cream. Balls. She's like, oh no, you got to come in. And I had like the, the towel and the ice packs on my face. And oh I had like, God. I was like dripping. Is that like everybody. something you were supposed to do? No, yeah. that's like an <laughs> like episode of like Broad City. No, they, they, at the, at the, they did it at the doctor's. Yeah. They, they gave me like a, like a, strappy like a like a headband um, i mean yeah. i wouldn't remember if they did that to me i guess <laughs> anyway back um to the story valium <laughs> valium was found in his system as well and they don't you know um there's been a lot of debate like did he actually take that himself or you know, how much they, was there i don't have that. i don't think the valium was consequential yeah no people well, just pop casually pop a valium for whatever reason it's yeah, um, <laughs> it's fine. There was fine. A, the only thing I ever heard about that that made any sense was that there was like that open pop can there and shit mm-hmm. that they could have tested for drugs. If they would have tested, would they have found <laughs> the volume didn't. in there? Because then you know it kind of fits the theory he what you know was drugs <clears throat> and then like while he was passed out they shot him up and then killed him. But you know we don't know. There were no fingerprints on the gun or other than where his hand was locked because it was it's called a cardiac spasm where his his hand was wrapped around and like stuck on there but there wasn't any fingerprints anywhere else which is weird for a shotgun because there's a lot of space you know where yeah. fingerprints so could definitely show up could have been wiped right they think it was and then also the pen didn't have any fingerprints on it which is strange um i don't know if that was so much that they didn't find any or if they didn't they didn't find it. Test they it, did yeah. they did actually check and they they weren't found it was so, irresponsible either way, but yeah. Yeah, very irresponsible. So surprisingly, Courtney still stays in contact with, what's his name? Um, Tom Grant after mm-hmm. this. She hires him for odd jobs and he continues his investigation privately. Um, she mentions two weeks after his death that she's already sleeping with Billy Corgan again. And she says that she wants to cooperate with him even after he informs her that he's suspicious of Kurt's death and her involvement. She produces a third note claiming that she found it under the pillows at the house, um, which was thoroughly searched by Tom and Dylan, Kurt's friend, mm-hmm. saying that it was under the pillows in one of the bedrooms, which he you know, claims there's no way because he searched and you know, he would have found that. And he tells her that you know, he would be satisfied believing that she had no involvement if she would let him interview Callie and then also see a copy of the autopsy, which she claims that she's going to do it as she was out of town. And she claims that she's this is like years later, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Was that note that she says that she found is that because around the time that they released the new photos from the crime scene, they also released like a note that he had written her. Is that the same one? This I was like 1998 know. or something. Okay. Yeah. I, I, well, I know like she had said that there was one, but like it was actually like you can uh-huh. actually read it now. What's weird about this note, she claims that she gave it to the police and that they told her to destroy the letter because it was had like damning information in it oh. that would confuse people. So she burns it. So she can't show him a copy of that. And then um, people are still just confused anyway. So. Yeah. Wow. Like no time ever. Do the cops be like, you know what you should do? You should right. take this piece of evidence and set it on fire. Yeah. Like, but no. if they, you know, didn't want to admit that they had like completely screwed up the investigation, you know, maybe they would. I, like, was it her friend that the cop didn't say? Um, no, but if this stuff did happen and because this guy got like in trouble for something else that Cameron, yeah, got, he, um, in like 2000 or something. 
He had um, he there was told, evidence stolen from a crime scene that he told yeah. him to like. Well, another play cop, it back. another cop said that he was <laughs> yeah. like trying to. It was a whole, yeah, that they were all stealing money together. So he had yeah. to resign because of that. Wow. But like, basically, if you do a high profile thing like this and you're just like a normal police department in a city, like you're fucked. Yeah. If something like this comes out and you're like, and it just everything is just, you did a terrible job the whole time. <laughs> well, so it's, it's like, like everything about go, it is that they did a terrible They're going to go to the ends yeah. of the earth to also, convince people that they didn't and that there's some reason yeah. that they were just right the whole time. I don't know. Another huge problem, it's, the coroner, which was a dep- deputy coroner that, you know, confirmed that it was a suicide. He was actually a friend of Courtney's and a fan of her ex-boyfriend, um, the musician Julian Cope, that... Knew the couple pretty well before and, you know, conflict of interest there, but he still completed the autopsy. Hmm. Yeah. So the detective Carrie or Terry that we talked about earlier that knew her that took the police report when she was pretending to be Kurt's mom. He was murdered by two men, you know, much later. And it said at the time that he was investigating the source of the heroin found in Kurt's system at the time. And, you know, this is when we can bring up El Duce. El Duce. El Duce. The oldest 35-year-old ever. Dude, that guy is fucking cool. (laughs) He looks wrecked. His real name is Elden Hoke from the band The uh, Mentors. That was one of the biggest things that convinced me is that that guy is obviously crazy. Mm-hmm. But he's yeah. absolutely just from watching him talk for a few minutes. He's absolutely not the person, the kind of person that would just lie right. for attention. And he wasn't getting money for yeah. you know telling a story. But he claims that he was offered fifty thousand dollars by Courtney to kill Kurt by shooting him in the head and then um, making it look like a suicide. And he actually took a lie detector test, which we know aren't you know completely reliable. But um, he passed. That's crazy. <laughs> which is strange. Yeah, and in that in that documentary when they go to like his backyard or whatever and they're talking to him, doesn't he say he, he just makes like a really, really vague statement about like I was offered a lot of money. They cut to out do in that something. documentary, that guy is that Nick Brunfield guy is yeah. so like meticulous that they cut out the stuff that could get them in legal trouble. Yeah. So he says way more than they put in that. And he they put and they the put person. in the documentary that Courtney offered to pay him fifty thousand dollars. So like yeah. you know the stuff that they're cutting out is like fucking. <laughs> right, <gross>. right. He <laughs> just says he just says something like, Yeah, I like, was like, like of all the things they offered, needed to take out, it wasn't that she offered him fifty thousand dollars to kill her husband. Yeah, like, oh, we can't we can't use this song here, so we have to use one of Dylan Carlson's songs instead. Like right. they explain all that stuff, but like you know everything else. Yeah, yeah. Like due to libel laws, we can only let this guy say that Courtney Love offered him fifty thousand dollars to kill. But we did have to cut this Nirvana song for legal reasons because Courtney owns all of this. Yeah, like, but all, and then he's like, "Yeah, this interview actually lasted a really long time, and this is like the only part that." But we no, didn't that guy is like you. I think everybody kind of knows people kind of like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're not interested in like they're not the weird like sociopath kind of people that want to say like things like for attention. And, he doesn't right, want the yeah. attention. Like those get like people try like found him. He wasn't like he's not. Yeah, yeah, he's not the the electrician, right? Yeah, or yeah. this stupid guy that we're going to talk about in a few crazy minutes. and he'll say crazy stuff, but he's not going to like make up like make right. that up. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. And his name's El Duce, <laughs> and his band is yeah. really awful. And it was funny awesome. too in the description. <laughs> they called um, you know the. For the band, they called it um, porn metal, which I thought was really funny. Oh, oh, oh the shit that they show in that documentary. That yeah, these people are so crazy. I, I also heard that he referred these to music it as, scenes uh, as back uh, in the day rape rock. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still, like, That's... even still, like yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> like some of the like niche metal things. Like there's some pretty 
ratchet shit in there. But some of it's, I mean, like, I I think I have, like, this terrible sense of humor where I find that shit hilarious. And, like, as a woman, I shouldn't. Have you ever watched watched Gigi Allen's, like, Maury, not Maury, but uh, his, like, Sally Jesse Raphael interviews and shit from before he died? Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. This guy is, like, a Gigi Allen type of guy. Totally. And he says these horrible, disgusting things, but it actually gets these, like, uptight, rich white people to, like, talk about stuff. Right. (laughs) And it's, like, kind of cool. But Even it's also as terrible like, as everything that he says. He's also just like trying to be so contrary. Like yeah. he's just trying to yeah. push the envelope all the time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. No, they they played like a clip of the like one of the mentors' videos, and I'm just like, okay, try harder. Like right. <laughs> your band sucks. <laughs> I played with the band like that once, and then there was like a belly dancer the whole time. Ah, huh. it's really weird. That like weird. similar subject matter. But then, yeah, but like, like and okay, like, like not super... not something that would normally have like a belly dancer. Yeah, like it was not this band, obviously. But yeah, it's just a very like there's some weird shit out there, guys. Yeah, there, no, explore. I mean, and I'm just like okay, like I get what you're trying to do, like shock value, blah blah blah. Yeah. But can you also just like not suck in every other way? <laughs> right. Watch Gigi Allen on Jerry Springer in 1993. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah, I haven't seen any of this. He was on all the daytime shows. Wait, no, was it like 10 years later? When did Gigi Allen die? That's crazy. Gigi Allen died in the, was it like the late 80s, early 90s? It was at least 19, like, early 90s. Yeah. Those are amazing, though. He went on like a tour of all those talk shows like (laughs) six months before he died, and they're all great. I do remember, um, was the guy with the mustache, Geraldo? Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, he was on Geraldo. Uh, well, have you ever seen the one where it's like, uh, he's where Geraldo is interviewing all of the, um, like white power guys, and then there's this huge fight on stage. People are like throwing chairs, yeah. and Geraldo gets like his jaw broken. Oh, and Geraldo used to be like Jerry Springer, Maury, and then he like yeah. grew out of it. I'm like Maury, who used to be like legitimate. And, then, and, right. they, and now it's and now just now like productive. <laughs> I love the victory dances when they're like, you are not the father. And they're like, oh, I know, I'm like, how terrible. Maury, that shit is amazing. Mm-hmm. What point do you think he just wouldn't imagine like the instance that Maury just decided that that was like his career now? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, just like no, I'm not going to find Spent his whole life like, trying to be like a legitimate talk show host. And he's like, no, I don't he's like, fine, this is what I do now. <laughs> fuck it. This had my highest ratings. I'm just going to go with it. I always like the episodes, like when he's not doing the paternity tests, where he does like the um, like the bad girls episodes. Oh, like the twelve-year-olds that are always like, "I've had sex two hundred and fourteen <laughs> times." I'm like, "Who's counting that?" Like, do you remember when they'd have? And they like, send them to like a boot camp. I like the ones where they have the people that are afraid of. There was there's an episode. Dear diary, <laughs> I got railed again today. Like what? Yeah. Like sorry, I'm just thinking about being this is twelve. Like, One eighty-three. Yeah. I'm twelve. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like that seems like a weird way to keep track of. Things. Nobody's ever yeah. seen, has anybody seen the episode of Maury where he has the people that are scared of like unusual things, and there's a girl that's afraid of pickles, and so he has like a bunch of people on his staff bring out like trays of pickles, and she just flips out and like runs backstage and shit. It's the funniest thing. I've ever seen. It's like there's like a lady that's like afraid of all dogs, and like so they bring out like the tiniest like teacup chihuahua, and she's like screaming. So okay, good. sorry. Well, back to El Duche. No, I just want to talk about real or uh, Maury talk shows. <laughs> well, Good shortly weekend. after he contributed to the Kurt and Courtney documentary, he died. Two days. He um, two days after. Was it really? He was hit by a train, and a strange thing. He m- mentioned in part of the you know the stuff that they cut out. He mentioned a man 
the Allen Wrench guy, which is actually Richard Allen Wrench. So Dick Wrench. Great name. Um, wait, so wait, 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 Dick wait, Allen wait, wait, wrench. wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Real name? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. I just need to know because, man. What's this assassin's real name? Yeah, supposedly. But like, Allen <laughs> Wrench. Like, bullshit. come on. Like, Dick Allen Wrench. Like, that's. Right. What's that guy's job? Let's make it up. He's in a band. No, um, no, I don't want to know about him. Like, I don't want to know about yeah. his real life. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just need to like have a like my mental image. I need to make it. I mean, is porn it. star too obvious? Oh, I didn't even think right. of that. That's actually really great. Like, maybe he's like the guy that like. Like, are Alan wrenches the, the ones that are like the L's? Yeah, like the stunt yeah. cock or whatever. Oh, he's yeah. a stunt cock. There okay. we go. Right. That's it. Okay. Stunt cock. I think orgasm. That's a great movie. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> so this guy was interviewed and he claims that he, he's... Alan Wrench? Yeah. Yes. He says that um, he's not going to admit to the murder because he doesn't want to incriminate himself. But then he also goes on this tangent where he says, like, if he would have killed El Duce, this is how he would have done it, which is, like, really similar to the way he died. And said, like, he would have taken him to this remote part because uh, there was, like, a couple of businesses around the train tracks and he would have taken him there and then, you know, um, pushed him in front of the train. So... You know, don't know if this guy really had any involvement. He seemed like he really wanted people to believe that he did. But the weird thing was that soon after he was um, seen driving a Lexus, which is actually the model that Courtney wa- Courtney. I keep calling Courtney. 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 Fish dish. Courtney Cola. That she wanted, um, you know, Kurt to buy, and he ended up returning. He also had all this expensive recording equipment, $100,000 new or you know $25,000 if he would have bought it all used. And his band wasn't making money at the time, so they thought that that was... What mean, band was he in? I don't remember. They don't they matter. Money, yeah. you know, no. <laughs> so... It was the only band in Seattle at this time that wasn't rich and famous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually totally. think that this guy did it, but... Because he wanted... You know, so badly for every everybody to believe that he did, which made it seem fake. But I mean, you know, maybe that was like his brilliant plan. Like, oh, I'm gonna maybe make that's it how seem he wanted like to get fame. Want... Maybe he just really wanted in on that Seattle fame. Yeah. yeah, I there's a bunch of information about Courtney's like past um, violent episodes. There. <laughs> also, her dad in that movie oh, yeah. is straight up just like he's brutal. He definitely believes she did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like in this book, really in that evidence. book, Kurt's grandpa is like, he was definitely murdered. Which is sad. For sure. I felt so bad for his grandparents. Because they really did actually love him. And they, they did, you know, at some yeah. point. Like, and that's why I don't give a shit about like what Courtney says or what yeah. his mom says. Because his like, his mom, yeah. he didn't yeah. talk to his mom since he was like 16. Yeah, he, he had, had to go live with him. him. He had yeah. to go live with yeah. the principal Both of his parents did. Was that it? Was it the principal or his teacher? Like a year. Well, they said it was the headmaster. I was actually doing like pretty well around that time. But he like lived under a bridge for a while. And his parents like passed him back and forth because neither one of them wanted him. Yeah, which is like terrible. Yeah. I liked I liked that they had the interview with that guy though, where he's just like talking about like, yeah, he's like friends with my sons and like, hey, he needs a place to stay. And he thought it'd be like a one night thing. And it ended up being like forever. And he knew the rules too. It's like if you're ever gonna crash on a couch, like you do the dishes. Yeah, yeah. He's like, like, oh, we put him we put him in the chore rotation. And he was like going to church with them and doing a little bit better, but um he was like sneaking out and doing drugs, and that's actually what got him kicked out because he broke the window. But yeah, funny story. It says November of 1994, Courtney was spotted wearing a floor length slip running barefoot after a woman on LA Sunset Boulevard and yelling, I'm going to kill you, which ended up being um, indie singer Mary Lou Lord, and who is one of Kurt's exes. And oh, yeah, she's in one of those movies. 
Yeah, and then she just, like, had something resurface, like, her and Courtney got into, like, a... Or she made, like, this giant Facebook post or something about about right. Courtney, and it kind of sounded like mm, somebody maybe just uh, wants attention. Maybe. I don't know, it was kind of a weird... Yeah, um, you know, they even said that she was, like, creepy again. and they didn't really have a relationship, but... Yeah, pretty yeah, it sounded it. like she was kind of a little, a little bit stalkerish. Yeah, she attacked a flight attendant on a flight to New Zealand, and she <laughs> was, like, screaming, I'm allowed to do whatever the fuck I want, you know who I am. Courtney did this? Yeah. Naturally. Power tripping, yeah. And then a few months later, in 1995, on the Lollapalooza tour, she attacked Kathleen Hanna um, from Bikini Kills, punched and her in the face. And, like, one of the girls from Bikini Kill dated Kurt. Yeah, at some Toby point. Vale, mm-hmm. that's her that. Because that's where they got the the smells like Teen Spirit thing from. Because she would wear Teen Spirit deodorant. So Catherine Hannah's like, Kurt smells like Teen Spirit. And spray painted it yeah. on a building. And she said that she was so drunk that night that she didn't drink for like years after that. Yeah. <laughs> and then like that's where the song title came from. And the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. And then like later, Courtney Love like punches her in the face, and she's like. Okay. Dude, Courtney Love is so crazy. She's okay. Hey, you might not have been able to buy your Lexus if it weren't for my streak of You were in a band yeah. with my man's ex. I'm the rest of those. So pretty soon <laughs> she... I'm drinking the curds. <laughs> pretty soon Courtney, um, like anyone that wanted to write a story about her, Kurt, they were delivered a 12-page document, um, kind of like a gag order saying like what they weren't allowed to ask her and what they were. She freaked out on a reporter... <laughs> That asked her about drug use in the past um, while she was, you know, promoting um, the People vs. Larry Flint. And this is even talked about by Dave Grohl in a Foo Fighters song where he talks about, where he says, How could it be? I'm the only one who sees your rehearsed insanity. I've been all around the ponds. You've gagged and bound. And he's talking about, you know, Courtney um, pretty much controlling the press. There's a... um I can't remember if it was after me and you talked about doing this, but there's a video about, like... Um, songs by people in the 90s that knew Courtney Love. Like, these songs are about Courtney Love. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation on, like, that Starfuckers Incorporated. There's um, a... Yeah. Who what's who does that? Trent Reznor. Yeah, that one is okay, for they sure. They did have a relationship. Yeah. And then, like... I mean, but I'm there's, sure. like, two dozen songs. And it's not, like... This could be about Courtney Love. It's, like, there's interviews with Courtney Love where she's like, yeah, that song's about me. Like, why would yeah. you want... Like, <laughs> like, this is making me sound like a terrible person. I want everyone to know that this guy thinks I'm a terrible person. Like, no. It's like she just thinks that if she says that kind of stuff, then people will think it's, like, two crazy people yeah. that just don't like each other. But really, it's very obvious that everyone hates Courtney Love. And, and she hates everyone else, and that's it. I remember, like, watching, like, this, like, rant that she had, like, going on um, social media. And it was about, like, how nobody was going to dress her for, like, oh, some yeah. award show. And she was like, but that she wasn't up for an award. Like, yeah. There was, like, no reason for her to beat her. Yeah. She just wanted to go. And so she had tickets to go. And she's like, no designer is going to, like, I cannot believe this. She's and so she was, like, too. ranting about it something. for, like, ever. Like, what? One of her musician boyfriends, too, I don't remember who it was, but they told a story about how she said that a crazed fan had, like, broken into her, um, it was, like, her dressing room or something at the time, and put, like, a bunch of used tampons and stuff in the room. And That's a great prank. <laughs> but what's crazy is, like, she admitted that she actually did it later. <laughs> 
She does that for like every <laughs> yeah. thing that. Oh and my one God, of her ex-boyfriends, the guy in Liverpool, he actually took out like a um, like a one-page ad in the newspaper talking about like how horrible she was, and you know called her like a Nancy Sponge and wannabe, and like talked about how they were glad to be rid of her. So. <laughs> oh, I bet that made her so mad. Right. Mm, that's funny. Yeah, because when they were showing like old pictures of her and stuff in that documentary I watched last night, I was like, "This is Nancy all the way." Oh, right. And then they interviewed that girl that uh, that claimed to know them, and they went to that claimed to know Kurt and Courtney, and they went to her apartment. She was going to get them some photographs that she had, oh, that, and yeah, she yeah. she was like a complete Courtney clone, like her voice she and was. everything. Yeah. I was like, this is kind of uncomfortable. And there like, was like the interview that was with like funny. the like super high nanny and her friend and like she yep. could barely talk. Oh, that lady that was just she chilling was like, in the basement. It was kind of Courtney creepy. kept, you know, obsessing about the will and you yeah. know, I don't yeah. probably wouldn't take anything that she said in Yeah, that was that was, was weird. Up. Um, so let's go around. Do you yeah. think she did it? One hundred percent. Lindsay? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Dan, what do you think? Of course she fucking it's like a master plan. She definitely I did it. I think she did it. Okay, and then question number two. Is Courtney Love a reptilian? <laughs> yes. Yes? Oh, that one. <laughs> that one you're all for. The crazy thing right, is... But do you think she was a reptilian? I don't. No? she's like too fucked up. I don't believe in reptilians. <laughs> it's just we have to ask. Like We yeah. just did an episode on hey, so does nobody reptilian else overlords. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky shapeshifters. I don't think she's a shapeshifter, but I think that she might be affiliated with some. She Maybe she's the Maybe she's So wait, shifter. this is uh, the presumption here is that you guys yeah, all I believe in reptilians. No! <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just a question It's that just I a ask. matter of whether or not Courtney Love is one of the, right. for sure, the reptilian well, people that exist. Well, because apparently, like, every, rep, every <laughs> fucking celebrity has the potential to be a reptilian overlord. <laughs> well, so. yeah. Did you hear what Lindsay said? She said maybe he was, or she was um, Billy Corgan's shapeshifter. Oh, shit. See, oh, it's all shit. coming back around oh, now, shit. isn't it? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so... Um, she did it. Yeah, so... And reptilians aren't a real thing, guys. <laughs> that's that's this isn't that kind of conspiracy theory. It's like <laughs> it's like your opinion, man. That's like <laughs> um, okay. So I think that's it. Uh, thanks for sitting with us for this long podcast. Um, hopefully, you were as entertained as we have all been. And we're going to end today's podcast with one of the songs by one of Dan's bands. Um, I haven't, I didn't pick it yet, so okay. it'll be a surprise. All right. Peace. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Do you think it's a mess? Why don't you tell me something different? You just want my support. Why don't you tell me something useful? It's got to be about me. Why don't you tell me when I reach the bottom? Won't you tell me, please? Do you think it's a mess? Why don't you tell me something different?
this time of year Do you think that I'm struggling? You'll accomplish more This time 